Welcome to Trendwatch, Innovate by Day's social media podcast, where we talk about the latest in digital communication and events. Without further ado, let's introduce the uh, the cast of the podcast. Uh, I'm James, your de facto host. I'm Mark. I'm Sarah. And I'm Chloe. Hi, everyone. I don't. It's been so long since we've done one of these. I mean, it's, we haven't done one since uh, since before the new year, right? Since Star Wars. So I'm a little bit out of it. The last thing we talked about was Star Wars, which was Star Wars. So much fun. And okay, so qu- a quick recap. Was anybody disappointed? No. Nope. Has everyone Hell seen no. it? Technically yep. not. Technically, what? You still haven't. <laughs> I I was kiboshed by our only winter storm this year. And the the internet provided so much context for me that I've decided I'm just going to see the revisionist history version but through it's Tumblr. In, it's in theaters still. No, I would recommend seeing it in theaters. It feels good in theaters. Oh, like I, the, I think yeah. right after the podcast, I think we're just going to bundle her up and drag her over to the Scotiabank. <laughs> you don't have to bundle me up. It's like 15 degrees outside. So one of the things that we were talking about before the, before the holiday break, and actually uh, right around the time that we did the Star Wars podcast, um, uh, there was a, a fantastic article on Fusion.net by Gabby Dunn, a uh, YouTube vlogger just sort of unpacking the the difficulties in maintaining a subscriber base when people get mad at you for monetizing your your work whenever they do a product placement in their in their podcast they lose subscribers they're told that they're sellouts and people go this is bullshit I'm leaving and because we're sort of in the business of of creating content for the web, we know what goes into this kind of thing, and we know that I mean people people have to make a living. So it's something that we we wanted to talk about a little bit. I we're, have strong opinions on we, this topic. Well, and we're and we're we are all like avid consumers of media too, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So so let's talk. Let's just let's just go around the table. How do you guys feel about sponsored videos and social media posts? I think that if you are being very transparent about like who sponsors you and you say if you're if you're reviewing a product and you've been paid to and you say you've been paid, I don't have any problem with that. If it's not something you're being like like if something you're being paid to show but you aren't reviewing a product, you aren't trying to prop them up in any way in your own content. Like it's just like there's a Coke can that Coke paid for to be in this shot, and I'm not talking about Coca-Cola. That is completely fair game. You don't have to mention anything. That's not selling out. That's that's getting a living wage out of the work you do. I'm with Mark on this. As long as you're being transparent <clears throat> about a, like a piece of content being sponsored, I have no problem with it. I think the people who put in so much time and effort to create something to entertain me deserve to be able to get something out of it, too. You can't make a living off of making other people laugh. That's yeah. true. So I'll take it one step further. I actually prefer the ones that like take the sponsored posts or videos or whatever one step further and make it creative and in their own voice. Mm-hmm. Um, for like any reason that that makes for better, like why Super Bowl ads are so important and crucial <clears throat> to our society. Like that's more important than the game right now. If you're reading or watching, it's anything. always more important. It's always more important than the game. But but the nice thing about that is it's because it's creative. Yeah. It's because. You know, it's not just like, oh, you know, Sphero said I should talk about the new BB-8 toy. So here's the new BB-8 toy and just sitting there in like a pretty Instagram shot. It's like someone actually taking the time and making good content out of it. And and that's that's the other thing. It's it's especially good if the person who's presenting likes the thing that they are sponsoring. Like like you said, 
Um, one, of, one of the people who did this recently was Domix. He's an animator. In one of his videos, he recommends a bunch of shows he watches on this service that sponsored him. Mm-hmm. His video is not about those services, but he's like, I watch these. I really recommend them. And it just so happens they're my sponsor. And that definitely rings better with me. Definitely. I remember a couple of years ago, Grace Helbig, one of my mm-hmm. favorite YouTubers, um, she was just starting to get paid to do content at that point. And I believe it was Kia. It was a car of some sort sponsored her to go on um, an adventure every day of the week in oh, this car. Yeah. And she decided to take this challenge of going on adventures in this car, which I'm assuming was meant to be like, you know, drive it up a mountain, do exciting things, <laughs> and just did her own brand of like, mock enthusiastic non-adventures and it was great because she took this sponsorship and she you know was very upfront about it being a sponsored thing and turned it into her own thing so she didn't just make a commercial for the product she incorporated it into her act and i think that's really the most important thing for sponsored content now from the flip side what i'd like to see brands do more of is what kotex actually did with carmilla and what i've heard a lot about (laughs) when we go to like sort of the the eye lunches and the interactive ontario things in in toronto is all the stuff about you don't have to have your brand name said everywhere. Like, let's go back to this original sort of, like, just sponsoring for the sake of sponsoring mm-hmm. almost. Because, like, again, there is nothing about Kotex in a va- lesbian vampire drama. Like, n- I don't even think they're periods. Ever. No. In the entire, like, two, what is it, two seasons, two and a half seasons mm-hmm. now? I don't think I've ever heard them talk about it. And it's a whole cast of girls. Um... So, you know, but they're making... Everyone knows Kotex made it. Everyone is incredibly clear. They've run one campaign, which actually was the weakest part of the whole thing, where they said, design a box of Kotex with someone from Carmilla on it. And that was, like, when the whole thing went off the rails. Mm -hmm. And people made fun of it. And I'm like, okay, but, like, that was, like... Up Literally, until that point. yeah. Up until up that until point, that point it, was great. it was great, and that was two and a half years in. So who cares? And and you can take that sort of branding entirely the other way. The Game Grumps did that with Crunchyroll, mm-hmm. where they made a Crunchyroll ad and overacted it. It's like, do you know what's great for only eight dollars? Anime. Where can I buy an anime? And it's like that sort of thing. Well, that's really obvious place to that sort of fan base as well. And you can do that the other way, but you kind of have to not hit that middle ground where it's just too obvious. Absolutely. I think, well, I think it's just a case of like, it's almost not so much the consumer's understanding in some cases. I think it's the brand's understanding Mm -hmm. because I feel like a lot of these like really terrible ones you see like the ones that um, Allison and Gabby discuss in the Fusion article, which was the one about um, being at Thanksgiving and having to leave their families and shooting something for some entirely weird sponsorship about being at home with your families Mm -hmm. on Thanksgiving. Um, And the brand sort of obviously wanted something like that to feel very familial and whatever, but it just didn't work. Yeah. Whereas if, you know, they had let them film themselves at their family's Thanksgivings, that would have been great. You wouldn't have even noticed. And talked about how, you know, and talked about how the product had made it possible for yeah, them to go home exactly. rather than the product dragging them yeah. to New York City to do a Man on the Street interview. Right. Kind of thing. And then, honestly, their fans probably would have been more satisfied because mm-hmm. they would have felt like there was the human connection we talk about all the time in IBD. <clears throat> I love the way that Mark Marin handles it on the WTF podcast because he, he, he just incorporates his sponsors into his own bizarre rant-based comedy stylings. This is what brings you 
the content that that he's uh, that he's creating for us that he's sitting down with amazing celebrities and doing long form interviews that I'm willing to listen to on my subway commute and I don't mind listening to the 10 minute rant at the top and listening to all the ads because I know that that's what's paying his bills and allowing him to sit down with Barack frickin Obama yeah and I mean it's not just sponsored deals it's also like people who start their own like Patreon for instance for anyone who doesn't know Patreon is basically a way for subscribers to give you money um, and pay for like some bonus content and things like that you get perks usually out of it um, but there's a whole perception that if you have a Patreon or a subscriber account of any kind uh, you are e-begging or you're, sh- you're being a shell and it's like what do you expect these people to do? This is their full-time job at this point, you know? They're video producers, indie or not. Art doesn't pay for itself. Creativity doesn't pay for itself. Money doesn't magically happen. And if anything, like, a lot of these sort of things, like Patreon lets them reach out to their fan base and let the fan base democratically say, we want to support these people. And I think that's incredibly important. Well, another interesting thing this, the Fusion article brought up, which is why I liked it so much, mm-hmm. and suggested it as sort of like a jumping point for the podcast, was it discussed that you get to this level of creating where it you can't hold down another job. Like, you're, it's it's like a popular, mm-hmm. it's not like we get, you know, because we're part of a company, because this is the IBD podcast, we get the time to take out of a day and do this in the middle of a work day. We also get a salary. Right. We're not relying on ads We're not relying on ads for that, but that's not true for everybody. So there were, there was a ton of different examples in this Fusion article about people who just had to give up, like, their Starbucks barista thing because not only could they not focus on the content they were making which is difficult and we know how much time that takes here Mm -hmm. but also they were becoming too popular to hold down a mediocre job which is this insane thing to say out loud but it's like their fans would come into the Starbucks and how can they A, hold this like slightly higher level of stardom Yeah. but also like how do their fans not understand like you can't take up their time if they're the barista Mm -hmm. and there's a line of 40 customers well, like you were saying, in that article, they mentioned about how they had fans memorizing their work schedules. Mm. So you honestly, you can't balance any sort of regular Joe job and be a high-level content creator on social media. It just doesn't balance. But of course, you also don't make enough money mm-hmm. if you're a content creator. So I guess we really just need to be more open to supporting those artistic endeavors that we consume. Well, can just imagine- open to revenue streams for that. Yeah. Can, can you imagine, like, Tyler Oakley working at Walmart? But well, that's but just what it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's crazy. It's the same reason I don't blame any, like, Canadian YouTuber for eventually leaving for L.A. Yeah. Because they have to go to the creator space. They have to do that. Lily Singh literally today, like had announced that she's going to get a full-time TV series, and I put TV in quotes because it'll be on YouTube Red, which is nowhere near a television set. Um, But, like, that would not be possible if she hadn't made it her full-time job, been supported through sponsorships and through the YouTube creator community, and then moved on to the YouTube Red platform. Mm -hmm. And now she has, like, a legitimate, like, thing beyond just a vlog where she sits down and talks about her Mm -hmm. personal experience. Let's just talk about about ways that we delineate uh, the s- sponsored content from from good old run of the mill regular you know free happy content. Um, should there be rules? Are there rules for for social media figures accepting sponsorship? Like, do they do they do they need to be super upfront about it? I think they should 
be pretty upfront about it. I think honesty is really key. <coughs> honesty and transparency mm-hmm. are really key for sponsored content. And I also feel like the sponsored content they accept has to feel organic with their online brand. Yeah. Because if it doesn't, it feels like just an advertisement, which is fine to an extent, but that's not what I'm visiting your page for. If I wanted you to be in an ad, then you could also, like Grace Helbig, go and appear in a Lowe's commercial. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. My uh, my favorite uh, YouTuber, and <laughs> I'm so boring. I'm very, very boring. <laughs> but my favorite YouTuber is uh, is Yoga with Adrienne. She did a, a, a couple of uh, posts sponsored by Whole Foods last week that were absolutely within the wheelhouse of, of her brand perfect perfectly on brand they said they said hey why don't you do a little a little something uh, a little something with us with us and for us so she did she did a uh, you know a shopping trip to to whole foods where she bought the ingredients for something she was going to do on her regular yoga show uh, and then she and then she brought the stuff home with the Whole Foods bag prominently displayed on the counter <laughs> and said, "I so I went and I did the shopping trip at Whole Foods to buy this stuff to make a yoga mat cleaner and yay here's all the stuff that I bought and this is and I got it at Whole Foods and I'm you know and this is this is how it is they uh, offered me this and and uh, and then she proceeded to show us how to make awesome beautiful yoga mat cleaner that'll make your house smell fresh <laughs> uh, and it was and and it and it was very very awesome and it was totally on brand and I was like yeah." You know what? I, now I'm going to go watch the shopping trip because it sounds like it was fun. Well, that's just it because then viewers watch it and they're like, this is still relevant to me because that's why they're there in the first place. They want content that feels relevant to their interests. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I have a weird counterpoint to this. And mm-hmm. it's not exactly a counterpoint because I completely agree with sponsorships, obviously. So my friend Steve runs a podcast about hockey. He runs several vlogs about hockey. He's like, he's a <laughs> hockey dude. Panago Pizza sponsors him. Pizza and hockey initially when this was announced made no sense to me i don't think it still makes sense to me really because i can see it yeah. see i can't i still pizza can't quite and get hockey there teams, yeah though. everything else in hockey pizza I mean, beer like, and hockey it's perfect combo. i don't know but i feel like it's not winter <laughs> enough anyways but they've been incredibly like on his side the whole time so they hosted a thing where they rented out a space in a theater and they had a live viewing of a hockey game and they made little pucks that had panico pizza on it and all these things they hosted a big pizza party essentially but it was great because I felt like even if like I personally can't see what pizza and hockey have to do together, and that possibly is because I don't understand what hockey has to do with <laughs> anything to begin with, because I'm a terrible Canadian. I was going to say, not Canadian at I'm all. I'm not Canadian at all in that <laughs> respect. But, you know, I, I liked the fact and was actually more inclined to talk about Panago later because I was like, wow, look at how dedicated they are to this one person. They actually care about the community and... And therefore, they care about, like, society, so therefore their pizza's better, which is a huge leap to make, I understand. Yeah. But I didn't actually care that, like, he's got Panago all over the place on his page because they, like, sponsor the whole thing top to bottom. Well, I think I think there's a community warmth effect to that, too. Like, you, you like a brand better that interacts with your community mm-hmm. and, and cares a great deal. And, yeah, maybe their product isn't the best on the market, but you're going to remember it better. I Which is like... why everyone should hire us. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. But I think I, what I like, I like better when there's, like, one brand who just, like, literally is the patron essentially which is what Patreon yeah. comes from i totally yeah. get that but like who is like who just you know fully backs it over sort of the ones where you see like oh i got a free trip to go do this hashtag sponsored i think for me i'd rather have like the one versus the many mm-hmm. i could see that yeah. that's fair yeah i would agree with that like one sponsor that 
is a partner to this person or this brand, as opposed to here are all of the many, many, many different things that are giving me money. That's but I'm not opposed to either. No, but I mean, I feel like I also follow a lot of mummy bloggers because I'm a giant, like, into that weird space, and it's such an interesting thing for me to look at. And they always have, like, everyone sponsors them. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no competition in that field. Like, it is a mm-hmm. sponsor post every day of the week. Yeah. And eventually that gets kind of, you're just like, what is, like, a real thing you're doing? And then what is, like, a thing you've done because someone has given you X? And you have to get rid of, like, X immediately. Mm-hmm. Because you have another, like, another thing lined up tomorrow. Now, do you think that kind of thing eventually sort of filters out audience? And, and kind of says, uh, you know, the uh, uh, and says to the audience, yeah, this isn't authentic, I'm not going to listen to this anymore or watch this anymore? If it becomes overwhelming, yes. Like, I mean, if every single post is a sponsored post, then that would be bothersome to me. Even if the person is upfront about it, it feels like, okay, you're only creating content mm-hmm, for mm-hmm. the money as opposed to I am a content creator. And it's, it's a lot about the advertising noise, like Sarah's mm-hmm. saying, like, how much is your authentic voice versus how much is the brand deal? And if the brand starts to start to oppress what your authentic voice is, that's when you're going to start to lose the public. Exactly. And I think I think that's what we <laughs> see all the time with these like people who are leaving brands or people or whatever for because of this is it because it starts to suppress the voice in some way. Mm-hmm. I mean, the only reason I see these mommy bloggers surviving, I think, is because everything's a giveaway. What do you think the expectations are? Uh, uh, how much it how much it costs to make videos and popular popular posts and podcasts versus versus the reality? I mean, I I think there's a perception out there that anybody can be a YouTube star. Everybody has a smartphone in their pocket, and it's essentially a little TV production studio. And you could be a YouTube star if you have a phone. Um, and while that's technically doable. I think it takes a lot more than just an iPhone in your hand to to make mm-hmm. a video fly. So let's talk about that. Okay, so I thought long and hard about this. I think the problem comes from initially every single person started without any support and any money and any and like they just did it out of the love or the desire to do something. And I actually have a lot of friends who are just starting this week and we all came out all the friends I have that have started this have all come out of a media production class. Hello. Like all of them. Well, and like yeah, Mark just started one too. But everyone I know has the technical skill to do it has the has the equipment has the knowledge everything like that so they've started and they have they're making no money off of it anything like that and so the perception is if you did it the first time with no money why can't you do that ad nauseum and the answer is like that's exhausting like like that's why freelancers cry at night just so we're clear part of it well part of it is now that i've been doing this for Mm -hmm. for two and a half weeks um, if you make a vlog, it is like three to four hours of editing after you are done recording and scripting and everything mm-hmm. else, depending on how good your takes were, depending on, you know, all the circumstances in your video, if you have to add images, if you have to go searching and do research. And one video can easily take a person, if they have to do a bunch of research, a few days. My friend Norman, who does Gaming Historian, he spends weeks on videos because not only is that his full-time job, but he wants to make the highest quality possible. and what you see as the finished product might not, not not necessarily look like hours and hours and hours and days of work, but it really is. Well, I think one interesting um, example of this that I've noticed is 
the Tropes versus Women in Video Games series, mm -hmm. um, a lot of people were really frustrated with it when it first came out because it would take like months in between videos to be released. And I mean, that's partially a strategic thing, but also because these videos require a lot of research and a lot of editing and a lot of work. Mm -hmm. But people were like, oh, well, you're just making a direct-to-camera like vlog style video they shall be out in a couple weeks the perception is that a simple video takes you know an afternoon to produce mm -hmm. and then you're up and all of a sudden you're making millions of dollars when really <laughs> I mean every video someone makes is basically a film in and of itself and if you think mm -hmm. of like big budget productions it's months and months and months and months of work so if a content creator puts together like a few hours worth of videos like, that's going to take them a similar amount of work if you're looking for that mm -hmm. production value. Well, I think the arts are always sort of undervalued to begin with, which is sort of the start of the conversation, is this is just a new <laughs> art form. <laughs> yeah, I know, that's a dangerous path to go down. Yeah. Would you, would in, you in like this to room. work for exposure? Well, yeah, so would you like to work it. for exposure? Yeah. But, that being said, like, we haven't even talked about Vine Stars. Like, that's, that's a lot of work to figure out how to make six seconds your thing. Yeah. And I just feel like a lot of it comes down to it looks easy, it looks, and a lot of, I think a lot of video content and a lot of social media content gets undervalued, especially because it's small and short and fast. And we all know why it's small and short and fast, because that's how to get the attention and the eyeballs and to keep the, you know, the engagement rates up. But when you have, you know, it makes sense when there's a giant blockbuster like Star Wars that obviously takes millions of dollars mm -hmm. to make because there's 30,000 people as the, like, basic cast and there's, like, yeah, see, I don't know because I haven't seen it. And there's, you know, like, special effects and there's puppetry and there's stop motion and all these other things. Mm -hmm. And whereas, like... A Tyler Oakley video, which is direct to camera, how much money could that possibly ma have to take to make if, you know, Star Wars can make something huge? What is a Tyler Oakley five-minute video going to take? But when you take into account, like, the equipment and what his time is worth, I think that's the big thing, too, is people don't like to put a value on time mm -hmm. unless it's their own. Yes, I think that's true. I think if you were really, if you were to break down the, the physical cost of something in terms of, like, a human hours... For people, I think that's when we'd stop having this discussion. Absolutely. Yeah, time and gear and venue and mm -hmm. and all the all the intangibles that go into it. And I think that a lot of the time when it comes to Vine or YouTube or anything video, even audio for that matter, you basically have the job of being a professional magician, making nothing turn into something. You are the pen and teller in video at that point. And that's something that needs to be far more appreciated. Well, and also Instagram. You have a very tiny amount of freedom of space to make something look amazing. Mm -hmm. And so when people are like, what do you mean you didn't take that on the iPhone? I'm like, you can upload photos and they'll be so much better. Please understand this. Mm -hmm. But if you do that, you need a better camera. And like you were saying, like it looks super easy and super quick and super off the cuff. That's all intentional, and I mm -hmm. think that's what people don't realize, is it takes a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of effort to make something look like it didn't take any effort. You're look. not watching the magician when he redirects you, that's the exactly. thing. Exactly. Bonus question! If you, you IVD cats, if you were going to make it as a social media star, what would your brand be? What would your platform be? What would your brand be? Okay. I think I would be on Instagram because that seems to be what I'm best at being the most consistent about creating my own content. And I'd love to say that I'd be a food blogger, but having tried it for like a week, 
it's hard and it's terrible and I can't cook well enough to do that. Um, so I think I would end up doing some sort of like closet cosplay sort of thing and become really popular and be cosplay famous. And I know all my friends listening to this are going to hate me when I say that. (laughs) (laughs) I think I would probably do something on a video platform, YouTube or Vine, because I do enjoy video creation. And I think I'd start out trying to be funny and it would just end up being so many cat videos. (laughs) I mean, I gotta say, being a, a, a famous podcaster is doing real well for us so far. Oh, I feel very uh, famous. Famous. <laughs> famous. Um, and because I'm actively trying this now, um, YouTube would be my platform of choice, and like a design and gaming vlogger who analyzes stuff, because that's what I want to do with that platform. I don't think there's really a platform for uh, cranky middle-aged guys uh, beyond network television. Um, (laughs) Side question. Can you be social media famous on Facebook? That's what I want our audience to respond to this week. Just on Facebook? Just on Facebook. Mm -hmm. Good good question. Interesting. I know some people who are are trying to make that happen in in their own sort of niche ways. That are uh, that are that are really using Facebook as their their primary motive yeah. of business to make themselves famous through uh, not necessarily famous but to promote themselves as a as a brand mostly through Facebook video. Hmm. Huh. Yeah. Anyway, back to your Tumblr. social media uh, starlet. Something where I can be crabby and uh, and not have to post too often. You know what? I really love the podcasting thing, except that it takes hours and hours and hours to edit me so that I don't sound like a chimp. Actually, James <laughs> would totally be a podcasting star based on the reviews we've gotten on our uh, on our um, message machine at the office. Yes, on our office voicemail. Yes. Our very professional answering machine. I am the star of the office voicemail. So, it's true. so there you go. James would be a podcaster. Yeah, so give us a call so you can hear my mellifluous tones. Mm. Or just listen to this over and over, as well as our other podcasts. Ooh, <laughs> plug, nicely plug, 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 done, plug. Sarah. And that's why Sarah gets paid the big bucks. <laughs> well, this has been kind of cool. So this has been another uh, another IBD Trend Watch podcast, and the first one of the new year, and it's nice to finally get to sit down with all of you guys again and just sort of breathe. And the sometimes the only way to do that in a, a busy work environment is to lock ourselves in the recording studio. <laughs> so uh, thank you for tuning in. Tell your friends. Do, if you haven't uh, been to visit us on on uh, innovatebyday.ca we usually post uh, a little blog post to go with the podcast that might you know give you links to oh i don't know say mark's youtube channel yay like and subscribe like and subscribe mark so he can be famous Thanks, everyone, for tuning in to Trendwatch, Innovate by Day's social media podcast. Visit us online at innovatebyday.ca, on Twitter at Innovate by Day, and like us on Facebook.